You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing good, doing good. Uh, it is a beautiful Thursday evening. Uh, I got to have dinner with my parents and sisters. That was really lovely. And oh, my girlfriend. Nice. It was uh it was a nice little outing. Got to have some uh some tasty food. Came back with a full belly ready to podcast. Nice. Well, we're just now in Pennsylvania allowed to go out of our houses again. Um so <laughs> <laughs> we uh we've lived by a slightly different set of rules than the southern states uh here in PA. Um and in our rules, we're never supposed to leave our homes. It's, see, it's uh, it's funny because uh, you know, you go to a restaurant and they basically only allow you to go like every other table or whatever. Yes. Uh, and so like, our 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 waitress, you know, wasn't great at like uh, pre-bussing. You know, for those of you who've worked in the service industry, you know, uh, you really want to kind of clear the plates away and extra glasses if you're giving them refills, so the table doesn't get too clogged up. Uh, it also helps your busser at the end of the night when they're going through and, and, you know, cleaning your table so you can sit another guest, make some more money. Well, our waitress wasn't very good at that. Um, so we kept having like extra, like our like side plates or like a ton of like drinks and stuff, uh, like where we had like, uh, you know, empty glasses and stuff was really piling up. So we just started reaching back and putting them on the table behind us. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, so, free space. That's perfect. Uh, it was, uh, it was nice. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, hey, we have not done an episode for a couple of weeks. This is the longest break, I think, maybe certainly in the last year. This is the longest break that we've taken. We took a couple of weeks off sort of at the end of Tessel um, Mm -hmm. leading into deciding what we were going to do in the new year in 2020. But we've been pretty much weekly, uh, I think, the whole year of 2020. We may have missed one week all year. Like a single week. Yeah. yeah, like all year of 2020. So we took a couple of weeks off. And in those couple of weeks, of course, Christmas, New Year's, so DBN, how was – I don't even know this because I haven't really even talked to DBN about this. How was your Christmas yeah. and New Year's, man? Oh, pretty darn good. Um, just went and stayed with my family. Um, they're like – they live like an hour away. Um, so uh, I took uh, you know Thursday off from work both on uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So I had had uh, two four-day weekends back-to-back. Nice. Uh, to be able to travel out there, visit, hang out. We played a lot of board games, watched some movies, stuff like that. I saw some Gloomhaven uh, happening. A little. Oh Gloomhaven. yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. We played two. Uh, we played two scenarios of Gloomhaven, um, and uh, yeah, no, it was just a just a good time. You know, hanging out with family and and, and stuff like that. Um, but I tell you what, man, after two three day work weeks in a row, coming back. 
to a five day work week has been grueling. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I am so tired. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, for our holiday uh, with the two girls, of course, we never do big holidays uh, because I don't like them. Um, so since I, since my wife and I got married, I said from the very beginning, I'm not running ten places on holidays after I'm married. I want to still be able to enjoy the holidays. So we always mm-hmm. do Christmas Eve with my immediate family, and then Christmas Day with her immediate family, which kept us under the the PA limitations of ten people gathered. Um, so mm-hmm. we were able to have my family over, and then my in laws came over to our house on Christmas Day, which means we didn't leave. And on Christmas Day, we got like two and a half or three inches of snow. Um, so we actually had like a legitimate pure white beautiful christmas and because of a combination of covid and christmas literally no one would clear the roads so like my 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 in-laws got up here um to our house but it was like pristine i mean it like there was no plows out there was no salt trucks it was gorgeous and of course the girls had like a great time for christmas you know aria aria's one brooklyn's three and so um, they had a really great Christmas, and it was it was really fun. And I didn't leave my house, and then I was off. So <laughs> in in the world, because I work for a church, and in the church world, like you have uh, Christmas Eve services, and so we had five over Christmas Eve, Eve, and Christmas Eve, and then uh, and then for the most part, like no one wants to be bothered between Christmas Eve and New Year's. Like no one wants to work, and certainly nobody wants someone from their church calling them. Um, like they don't they they're not interested in being bothered. So that means that my job is basically non-existent for that week. So I just chilled. And actually, I took the break from the show as a break from LOR as well. So I started picking up LOR again uh, sometime right after New Year's uh, New Year's Day. Um, but we had a great New Year's Eve, great New Year's Day, a lot of fun with the girls. Um, we, I am now the proud owner of a pink Minnie Mouse uh, Little Tykes Jeep, or I don't know if it's Little Tykes. <laughs> um, so that's in my garage. So the proud owner of that. And Perfect. then... Through that week, I worked on the basement, and we finished the section of my basement. I post some picture in, pictures in the Discord. Um, I had this 80-year-old basement that smelled horrible of cat piss when we bought the house. I bleached it a bunch of times. I built the studio down here. We finished the back room and put in the board game room. And actually, tonight, my wife and I played the second part of the Star Wars Unlock game. And uh, going out with this episode for our patron supporters is uh, the latest episode of The Mulligan as well, which is our look at board games, um, which is uh, really exciting because I just and I just bought like a whole I have like a huge wall now where I can fit board games on. So I actually have room to buy more. Um, So I may or may not have bought myself um, uh, a little bit of extra Christmas from a Trump check. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, the current current president for like another couple of days uh, may may or may not have bought me all three editions of Century Gollum Edition uh, for the trilogy of oh, games, wow. um, and then and then a couple of expansions. So I'm adding adding to the collection, which is always a, a great part of Christmas. And uh, and got a stream. My wife bought me a stream deck for Christmas, which is always that's so cool. Highlight. And we got to play some D and D over the break too uh we played some uh we played some runeterra D and D. me and db ended that's right which was yeah a, which it was, was great a, it was a blast uh i think i i think i may be like getting like maybe too into the story uh <laughs> and like <laughs> it's keeping him up I, at night <laughs> i think i'm like i think i'm like ripping uh mark like way off the uh the rails with some of my ideas about uh and conspiracy theories about what's going on in his little uh kind of episodic but tied together adventures uh so 
So yes. I think I'm making life a lot harder on him, but uh, it, I can't. But we had it. a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm the oh, I'm yeah. the DM, uh, the dungeon master for the Targon region in uh, in our LOR D and D Discord um, group, and uh, and so I've been running one shots that have been linked together uh, for a couple people in their Discord, and then we've had people from the Discord jump in with characters the last couple of sessions and just have seen a peek as to what was going on. And, uh, you know, I could talk about that forever, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and we've been having a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was you know, a blast. It's, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's just uh, it's just funny to uh, to hear about. I had something I was going to say. I, I can't remember. I, I will say it's it's just so interesting to hear people that ha- about people that had a white Christmas because I tell you what, we don't we don't get snow here in Mm-mm. Southern Virginia. It just doesn't happen. We didn't get a single a single snowfall last year. I don't think we're going to get one this year, although it's been a little bit colder this year. So maybe, but dang, like that's so, I mean, Christmas never, never, it never snows before like February. <laughs> a week, uh, a week before Christmas here, we've had an abnormally snow year. A week before Christmas, we got hit with a nor'easter that dropped 14 inches of snow in one night. And my wife got in a car wreck that night. She's okay. Everyone's fine. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> I still have a rental car because so many cars were wrecked the, the week before Christmas. Um, it happened a little over a week before. So many cars were wrecked that night that the insurance companies cannot get around to all of the claims and so we we've had a rental car since a week before christmas and i I don't know when we're gonna find out if our car's totaled Uh, so uh we've been i've been battling back and forth with insurance companies that was part of my holiday um but at the same time a cool part of the holiday uh was that we got a new patron um and actually it's not a new patron it is a returning patron it was a patron it was our very first patron um, no our, way. Yes, it was our very, very, very first patron, Benjamin Wyatt, um, which, of course, is also the name off of uh, Parks, Parks and Rec. And Rec. Uh, yeah. Par- yeah. <laughs> Parks and Rec. Um, but Benjamin Wyatt, uh, thank you so much for your support of the show. Uh, evidently, I mean, Ben played back in Tessel. He had messaged me back and forth yeah. a little bit. Evidently, he stopped playing or listening to the show, and now he's evidently into LOR because he's supporting us again. So yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, ben. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, and uh, and that support actually was a pretty significant uh, uh, benchmark for us because that pushed us over the one hundred dollars a month mark in our Patreon page, um, which is oh, that's awesome, incredible. Uh, so twenty five so patrons, to think about. yeah. 25 patrons um, now over 100 bucks a month. So uh, that's phenomenal. So thank you, Ben, for being supportive of the show. And thank you to all of our patrons who are supporting us over at patreon.com slash legendscast. You can find a link in this in this episode, uh, in, the, in the description of this episode. And with this episode is also coming out um, an episode that is for patrons only, where we are discussing board games that we love. Uh, that's the episode called The Mulligan that the DBN leads in in that episode in those episodes of the mulligan we talk about stuff sometimes lor related sometimes not lor related we do two episodes a month they're about 25 to 35 minutes long um that being all said we've done one of them so far so they could all change um but uh, but we're gonna keep doing them in 2021 which brings me to some of the things that we want to do in 2021 (laughs) dbn do you have some 2021 resolutions like some thing are you a resolutions person or not so much so nah i'm not a resolutions person uh i'm always making resolutions for myself throughout the year 
That's uh, probably so not all of them work, but <laughs> I am always trying to look at myself. I think I do a good job with the critical eye thing. I think I don't always do the best job with uh, following through and, and setting myself <laughs> up for success. Real good at beating uh, but, myself up. Not so good at accomplishing stuff. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, self-critique. I'm amazing. I can't be beaten at self-critique, guys. Uh, <laughs> but no. Uh, honestly, though, like I, I do try to uh not get wrapped up in the new year's uh resolution stuff and trying to change things i just some i just prefer to celebrate the new year as a new start you know uh and just being thankful and stuff like that it's kind of like thanksgiving 2.0 just without quite as much good food and usually slightly more alcohol so like you know it's just uh although really not the last couple of years i haven't really like partied on new year's in a while but uh definitely not this year the older uh, <laughs> you get, the older you get, the less appealing it becomes. Let's just be honest. It, it, hey, it just, I, I wish I could have partied on New Year's, but dang it, I mean, not this year. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather come back the next day without COVID. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but no, nah, I, I appreciate what it, what it means. Uh, you know, I, and the thing that I think we're, uh, I, I don't always like doing it for personal reasons, but I think it can be a really fun thing uh you know for organizations and stuff like that yes and that kind of ties in i i kind of pitched mark this idea and we talk with each other about like goals and stuff for the podcast and, and stuff Absolutely. like that but i was thinking maybe we we share some of those with you guys yes yeah so we have a handful of goals that we're hoping to accomplish in 2021 just so you know guys there is a roadmap you know uh, i i listen to a lot of I, when i listen to more podcasts when i drove more I, you you always wonder sometimes like this isn't the last episode right like we're gonna get one next week um, <laughs> and, and for some shows you're a little less sure of that than others um but for video games it's even you know it's harder you know if, a, a, if someone podcaster gets burnt out on something or something sometimes you know the show just disappears and you know there's been a few fatalities in lor podcasts over 2020 um there were several that that went up in smoke um and and you know we're a one among a, a couple a small handful that are continuing to do regular episodes and so here just so you know 2021 we believe is going to be the best year for legends cast um better than 2019 when we started we believe better than 2020 which by the way was an amazing year for legends cast i mean just looking back we relaunched our patreon page we have climbed to over a hundred dollars in support which we just talked about over 200 people are now in our discord we launched discord leagues and ran the first two leagues and have our first two league champions one of which we're going to talk to later on the episode as we interview our season two champ um there were so many other things that happened with we have we got a new logo we got intros and outros we structured the show we've had new guests on like there have been really phenomenal things we broke thirty-five thousand overall plays um on our episodes this year which is so so cool so what are some of the things that we want to do i'm just going to go over them quickly we're planning on having three more seasons of the legends Discord discord league so if legends cast discord league so if you didn't get in in season one or two but you would like to get in um we're looking probably sometime in february we're looking at announcing and getting ready to launch the next season three of the league and we're going to be doing three seasons this upcoming year um we're going to be us hopefully our one of our goals is to get somebody from the riot dev team to come on the show for an interview and like hint 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 like we're working on that right now like 
then that may be the earliest one that the goal that we reach um which is really exciting our hope our hope is that we will double the overall plays for the show which is really our only sort of statistical goal for the show we have a lot of goals statistical goal is to double the overall place we're hoping to break seventy thousand overall plays, which you can help do by recommending the show or sharing it with people um, who play lor who are kind of in your sphere of influence um, we want to just overall, we want to add more guests to the show. So we've had a couple of guests, mostly Silver Fuse and BBG this past year. Saucy Mailman was on the show. We hope to revisit some of those and hopefully have some other folks come on the show as well um, in the in the months ahead. Um, our, our pipe dream is that we would get a card reveal or some sort of promotional uh, opportunity to do with Riot for the release of uh, a new set, which they don't typically do card reveals like past card games do, but it would still be really cool. Um, we're hoping to increase our social media presence. I don't really know what that means, but I will be doing more with social media in the year ahead. So potentially that will be, you know, me tweeting some stuff out for the show and, and you could follow us there if you don't want to join Discord. Um, I personally am going to be doing more streaming, which I can't talk about today but if you listen to the episode two weeks from now um when this one's coming out on the 8th two weeks from then i will have a really big announcement about what my future looks like and how that impacts the show two weeks from now um we're hoping to maybe do a little bit of youtube as well we don't know what that's going to look like but definitely we want to at the very least get some of the tournament play um from the discord leagues the finals and stuff recorded casted and then on uh, on a youtube channel so that you can experience us over youtube and last but not least certainly not least is we want to be able to do a charity event um in in 2021 something for like rabies awareness um it pretty much for rabies awareness um that's what we <laughs> uh, yeah for your for your office uh, yeah for those of you who've watched friends. which if you haven't what's wrong with you and now you can only on. find it on some like really obscure streaming service i saw advertised yeah. on youtube the other day um because yeah. it's not on the netflix anymore um so yeah we want to do a charity event so we're hoping to do a charity event whether that's a tournament or a live stream event or what it is we're not real sure but we're gonna do a charity event in uh, in 2021 as well for legends cast so those are our 2021 goals and they're awesome um they're pretty awesome uh another another idea i just literally now had uh which is the perfect time we'll, to announce something this is the perfect time the to announce something is is without consulting your co-host mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh i actually have seen a, a good amount of people who have expressed interest uh in us doing like a um new player introduction episode that we can have so that they can direct their friends on hey they're new to lor here's what you need to know that's something that's been kicking around in my brain for a bit if you guys have interest in that or tips or suggestions what types of things maybe we should cover uh you should you should message me about that because that's something i've had multiple people bring up to me is like hey like where do they start you guys are on episode 40 whatever <laughs> and uh yeah where do we and start we're talking out? about modern we're talking about like the meta or we're talking about you know very specific things that they're not quite ready for what do we do to get them started but obviously going back to episode one and talking about a, a brom deck that was only meta in the first 
two weeks that's not quite relevant <laughs> so yeah yes uh, and i think that we'd love to do like um uh we might even do that like a beginning of like a season three like we might break do not like take a break mm. from the show but do like a season three uh with a pilot episode that's for new players whenever we see maybe if riot makes a big announcement for lor we're getting a big tournament or there's going to be a big influx of players maybe we'll break go to season three restructure a few things and then do that I, and i almost forgot about this the the, the last goal which is definitely one of our goals this year is a legends cast meetup um and so the hope is that when covid sort of winds down if it winds down this was going to happen last year in 2020 but it couldn't um 2021 i'm going to drive down and crash with gibbles and dbn uh down in northern virginia and when we know when that's going to be we're going to let everybody else know and if you're in the area you can come in and hang out with us we're probably going to try to find like a pub or something that we can like get a back room at or something and people can come hang out get to meet uh, members of the community that maybe you've talked to over discord uh, or other people who listen to the show if you want to drive in from further away you're more than welcome to do that i know there's actually a couple people from pa that i would even be open to carpooling down uh for for a night or something with uh and so and i'm gonna bring some board games with me we'll do like a game day or something and uh, dbn and i have never actually met physically so it'll give us a chance to actually shake each other's hand uh and heck yeah. Uh, yeah heck yeah and then also endless uh, stuff uh, yeah yeah and, and we'll throw lumber at things throw around the, the pigskin and will, cut down a tree yes, and, uh, and we'll drink some beers use chainsaws and things and wear flannel shirts and wranglers and beards and stuff <laughs> um so yeah so you might maybe you'll want to come and hang out with us i know a couple members of the community in the discord who are excited about that idea uh who would be willing to come out um and who knows maybe we'll maybe we'll do two and we'll do one in pa um as well so uh, but yeah, yeah so those sick. are the goals. Those are the goals. And we are going to jump in because we did an interview uh, with Lungs uh, for this episode. And so we're really excited for that. Who's the, who's the champion of season two of the Discord League. Um, but DBN, is there something that you've been playing in LOR uh, through the holiday break that you've been enjoying? I, I have one deck. I'm not going to get in depth with it, but I have one deck. Do you have one? I do have one. Um and uh i basically ripped it straight off of mobilytics but uh i kind of just felt like trying something that was quote unquote meta um and so i uh basically just start well i've been playing a lot of riven of my own my own creations of riven but that that i'm not counting i was laddering a little bit with what the deck that i call plaza del sol mm. uh which is uh that's yeah, a for those of you good name are, for the deck. That's a good name. Right. Yeah. It's Asol uh, and Leona with the Grand Plaza. Um, and Plaza del Sol is, I'm sure it's a place in multiple countries, but uh, it's there's one in Madrid that I've been to. It's lovely. Um, but, uh, but basically, yeah, no, just um, Daybreak stuff uh, with the early game. You put the Grand Plaza down. And it's funny because you're not really using Grand Plaza as like a swarming tool. You're just using it as removal and making your big, chunky Daybreak guys able to go and grab whatever it is. I mean, it's uh, in my mind, it's the ideal use of the Grand Plaza and how it's maybe like intended to be used. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, you can finish up uh, with Aurelian Soul at the top end. Uh, the cool thing is is really just the fact that you're running like three solari sun forger two radiant guardians three star shapings you got so much freaking healing in that deck like uh yeah no i played a lot of it i won a lot i did lose the occasional match i tell you with all of the um 
you know, crafting of celestials and stuff, you do really kind of have to stay focused. I was trying to play the list while watching a movie with my uh, with my family when I was staying with them. I definitely was losing uh, a little bit more. I was going about 50-50 with what is a very strong deck. Uh, it, it definitely requires focus. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it was really cool. And the coolest moment came from playing against a uh, Targon's Peak list uh where they were obviously doing stupid silly things like discounting field of rushes and i was able to win because i kept invoking the highest costed things i could possibly get no matter what uh i was just like anytime i could invoke something i was like give me the highest thing there so hopefully it'll be free <laughs> and uh it actually was a fun game i mean i i really ragged on targon's peak uh last uh last episode because it's not fun for the opponent but for this specific deck it was fun not just because I beat it, but because I felt like I could make decisions that would uh, wait my hand to take advantage of Targon's Peak as well. So that was a really unique situation, and um, just felt like I should report on that. Mm, nice, nice. I uh, I played uh, one deck a lot this over the last couple of weeks, and that is my own homebrew of Heimerdinger and uh, and Victor. So Victor Heimerdinger, and it runs, it's PNZ Noxus. And so basically in Noxus, you're running it mostly uh, for the card that deals two to a creature and one to the opponent's face. Um, I mean, Death's honestly, hand. yeah, Death's Hand. You're mostly playing for Death's Hand. I mean, you you don't need a whole whole lot else from Noxus um, because you're not running stuns. So uh, kind of like the flock isn't uh, as, as quite as powerful for you. Um, I did run like a copy of the flock, and I think I ran a copy, a couple copies of um, the Noxian Guillotine as well because it was just, mm. PNZ's really, really good at removing stuff with low health um not so good at removing big chunky stuff um but if you can block something with a cheap turret and then noxian guillotine it and put more three mana turrets on the board it is pretty stinking strong um i actually yeah. had a decent amount of luck with the deck it's not good like don't get me wrong like in comparison to what is meta right now it doesn't beat what's meta um but it does beat a lot of off meta stuff simply because whenever there's a strong meta deck usually the way that people try to combat that is by playing some really aggressive things right just like stuff that's just gonna mow over tf go hard before it can go hard them or or stuff that's gonna mow over the plaza deck before it gets the opportunity to to outvalue them with plaza which is which is most let's be honest that's most of the meta right now and i found <laughs> that when i came up against those decks i had a lot of success because i just had so much removal because i played the gauntlet like the the card that deals one and then puts a, a one mana deal one at fast and then put a two mana deal two at fast and then a three mana deal three at fast and keep shuffling those into your deck um they are like victor's spell as well but i put a couple of those in the deck and i found that like that that card is amazing against zoe because uh, they turn one zoe and you turn one shoot it uh with your death ray uh <laughs> and that happened a couple of times and that felt really good um and so I, I really enjoyed playing it it was a lot of fun to play it's not particularly strong uh but i have just not been playing i think i'm in silver right now like i just have not been playing on the ladder because i did take a couple of weeks off i wasn't feeling burnt out on lor at all um, maybe that's not true. I was playing, a, I was feeling a little bit burnt out on LOR. 
um, and just not feeling really creative, I think. Um, and the couple of weeks off because we weren't recording was really helpful for me. Um, and uh, and then my buddy bought me Sea of Thieves. Uh, I did end up getting Sea of Thieves for Christmas. And so uh, I've been I've been pirating some stuff in place of playing card games. Uh, the last couple of days I've gotten back into LOR and play the last week. I, I played a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what I've been playing. Um, I don't know. Hey, how about we uh, you want to you ready to interview lungs here? Get him in here and uh, and do a little interview with him. Let's do it. Let's get him in. Okay, let's jump over here. Let's get Lungs in the call, and uh, and let's talk to him about Season 2 of the Legends Cast Discord League. The party has arrived. Okay, guys, so tonight we have with us a special guest for this segment. Um, it's actually our Legends Cast Discord League Season 2 champion lungs for Heyman users uh, did i pronounce that right lungs is that i think it's actually supposed to be lungs for homon users it's it's a reference to an anime and yeah which was going to be my first question because like we 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 literally like looked up your name because i was like is this super could it be yeah. really vulgar because it could be i mean it <laughs> sounds like there's elements of it that sound but i googled it and it just seemed like an obscure line from a strange anime is that accurate like what is the anime yeah. and what does your name mean uh it's jojo's bizarre adventure and hamon is um like breathing technique that they use in it to uh like ch channel their powers and so there's a point where one guy gets his lungs torn out and they're like oh damn lungs are vital for homelon users no way he could survive without them as if it's not you know vital <laughs> for everyone okay okay because i saw That's the line good. like lungs are vital for for and i was like what is i so we knew we knew it wasn't vulgar we just had literally no idea what yeah. it was um so lungs won. not gonna lie oh. not gonna lie i i was saying lungs for ham I was just saying that for a <laughs> while. <laughs> we just, just to, like myself. We decided a while ago that we were just going to call you lungs whenever you did actually come on yeah. the show because that was yeah. just going to be significantly e easier. Um, okay, lungs. So uh, you won Legends Cast Discord League season two. Went up against Gibbles a bits in the in the championship match. Um, you had two best of threes to win because he came from the winners bracket in a double elimination bracket. You were knocked into the loser's bracket towards the beginning, went up against him at the end. Um, but let us get to know you a little bit before we jump into, like, the actual league play. Because this league was, season two, was significantly more competitive than season one. And that's to say nothing against Static Sheep, who crushed me in season one. Um, but no, was, no one was bringing Jinx Poros, uh, which is the thing that crushed me at the end of season <laughs> one in season two, is all I'm trying to say. Uh, everybody was real nasty. I got booted out like in like the first two rounds of Swiss. Um, so tell us a little bit about your card playing uh, background. Do you have any card playing experience before you got into Legends of Runeterra? Is this your first card game? Uh, yeah, so I started playing Hearthstone in the beta. A couple of my friends got me into it, and that was my very first card game ever. Okay. And I kind of played it casually for a few seasons, but once it came out on mobile, that was when I was really able to like actually start playing it competitively. And I never got to legend, but I would consistently get above rank five back when that was the ranking system. And I always hated it because I was just a free to play player. So I was very limited on what I could do. And the moment Legends of Runeterra like got leaked, I got myself into the second closed beta. 
Like I did everything I could just try and get it. And I've been just, this has been my main game ever since. I haven't played a single game of Hearthstone. Well, I left Hearthstone before LOR. And, uh, you know, of course, LOR killed Tessel for me. I haven't played really a single game of Tessel since, since then. But I definitely feel you because as somebody who wasn't a free-to-play player and who basically is now, and I never thought that would ever be possible in a card game, uh, Hearthstone was a very expensive game to be a part of. And I was also the I, – I hit Legend and Wild Ladder one season – um, and other than that, I was the consistent, you know, rank five ladder grinder. Just never had the time or energy uh, to to make that final push to legend. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about your experience in the league, because uh, you know, you we played, I think, what six or eight rounds of Swiss. I can't really remember. DBN, do you six remember? Six rounds of Swiss. Six rounds of Swiss. Yeah, and then we had our uh, top eight bracket, which uh, for those of you uh, who weren't involved. Uh, was originally intended to just be single elimination uh but through miscommunication between me and the admins ended up being double elimination which ended up attacking on like two or three bonus weeks to the entire season um, which made it wrap but, up perfectly like right before christmas actually i mean it wrapped it, up perfect it did it, it did and uh i think uh I think many people would say that uh, the the double elimination is neat because, uh, and I used to love it when I watched Dota two uh, tournaments because that's how the international always be. You have that you know uh, losers bracket kind of potential to come back. Uh, and so as much as I was kind of like initially irked because I'm like, oh gosh, now I have to do three more weeks of like keeping on top of this and and stuff stuff like that. I do think it ended up being something of a magical uh, little comeback story uh absolutely i uh i want to hear walk us through swiss first though long well, tell, uh, tell us about your swiss experience so i think swiss i uh went five and one i only ever dropped uh the pain mm -hmm. um on swiss i basically only played one consistent deck through all of it which was a uh, leeson karma or leeson karma as real deck interesting okay. that, that got me a lot of two o's in all of it and then yeah <laughs> That, that was Swiss, Swiss was good though. So Lee Sin and Karma, uh, in a uh, environment where Lee Sin, I mean, so that's the thing. Our our Swiss kind of spanned a couple different metas, but yeah, uh, we had the whole Lee Sin, uh, Zed thing going on for a while in the middle of that. And, and so, what what made you want to stick with Karma? What was your your read there uh, that gave you so much success? So Lee Sin Karma as was a deck I built on myself like a long time ago. And it's one I've just been kind of consistently playing. And even mm -hmm. in the when they buff Lee Sin, it buffed my deck as well. <laughs> and <laughs> since I had all of the Ionia tools, but I had especially all of the pings and removal from PNZ, it even made me a counter to the Lee Sin Z deck as well. Yeah. So I felt it was just stronger. For most of the metas, as a really niche pick. And then once FTR came, uh, and that was the meta king, then every single Swiss round, I would ban Targon. Everyone else would ban Fredgelord, not wanting the FTR mirror. And then I would just pick my Lee Sin deck. Yeah, it, yeah. You know. well, it was with the up... Denies, man. The Denies was the only yeah. card that really ever oh was God. able to fight back against that, uh, against that FTR deck, for sure. You know, it's interesting. You actually end up answering one of my questions, which was, "What was your your like your region ban strategy?" Because for those of you, you know, who might not have, have kept up with the show at the time or just forgot, uh, the way that the Swiss worked was that you and your opponent would each declare a region to ban, mm -hmm. um, and then you could basically pull from your 
entire you know roster of decks and stuff like that as long as you didn't repeat a uh, a region uh with a deck that you won with uh so basically uh it was pretty flexible the the idea was that we don't have to, to exchange lists and stuff like that at least until the finals um but i you know i mean hanging out with gibbles and bits you know so often uh he uh he and i were, were always talking about that especially during swiss and the concept of a region ban what was your experience with that did you i mean obviously i'm sure it's shifted throughout the week so you said yeah. that you switched to targon but how did that work out for you the idea of banning a region i i really liked it actually for the swiss format it made things really easy on both parties just mm -hmm. you know pick a region and then you just have your entire collection to choose from as long as you're just not that one region so it gave us a lot of flexibility, which I really enjoyed. Like it, I think it was just the smoothest way to handle a giving us the agency to ban something we don't want to play against, but still not making it so restrictive, like an actual three deck pick and ban. Yeah, especially yeah. when so, that isn't so, in client, like without being without using uh, a client and like yeah. just using yeah. Discord to message back and forth with people. It seemed like that would be the easiest. I'm happy to know. That, that is actually like that it was successful in the ways that we kind of hoped that it would be and in that it would make it a, a bit more competitive but it wouldn't make it um uh burdensome uh, you know so well and as somebody who's dealt with battlefy and other sorts of uh things like that with like third party kind of tournament running software and stuff like that or, or websites it i hated it it was always a pain i was like i want to find a i want to format this in a way that i would me being the lazy person who doesn't want to screenshot tech lists uh that i would enjoy it so glad to hear that that uh that worked out you know what's interesting i too is that you kind of had that sort of niche comfort pick that was the one that you carried through i actually talked to two or three other people including gibbles and bits and in swiss that was very much actually kind of the standard uh i know gibbles and bits played his leona yasuo homebrew list throughout all of the swiss rounds i think i talked to i think it was jeff and jeff also played a homebrew list as the one that you know he'd build meta stuff around it to fill in regions and stuff like that but he'd always play that one that was a comfort pick um i guess that that's just that is honestly one of the most interesting things is that despite the idea of meta being out there and everybody knowing what those top metas are and and you know, you can just pull from any of those meta lists in the collection. I expected that to be the default. Did you run into mostly meta stuff or were you it seeing did, a lot it, of homebrew stuff too? It, um, I know with uh, Gibbles and Bits, I did go run out against his Leona Yasuo, although that mm -hmm. was once we actually got into the uh, top eight. Uh, I think it was mostly meta stuff, at least for my matchups, but that ended up working in my favor since I was yeah. trying to counter the meta. And for the banning, I think for most of it, it also worked for me because everyone was kind of banning whatever the meta region was. So I think for the first half of Swiss, it was pretty much everyone's banning Targon. And then for the second half of Swiss, it was everyone was banning Fredgelord for Field of Rush. And that meant anything I was really trying to play was completely left out. Like I, my personal <laughs> The decks I personally like to play were untouched for that, so it really worked out in my favor. So what do you see as kind of your personal play style? I mean, you you said you played this sort of a little off-meta, you know, Lee Sin Karma deck that was also running P&Z, which is, of course, that's even more off-meta. 
Um, but what is like what is the type of deck that really sort of scratches that itch, that card game itch for you? Because we all we all kind of have that card game itch, you know. And Ash, for whatever reason, as many people you've listened to the show, you know, Ash oftentimes sort of scratches that card game itch for me. What type of deck kind of is your go-to deck what you really enjoy playing? So I know I picked it up from Hearthstone and it's I really enjoy playing a lot of like the really grindy stall the game until i combo you out in a really cool way type of deck so like holy wrath paladin if you have any idea what that is was my absolute favorite oh my deck gosh. in hearthstone was that the was one that you... tried to draw a mountain giant off the top and do 20 damage to the opponent's face in one turn yep 25 yeah, okay. you 25. deal 25 to them they actually they added another 25 mana card that you would actually play so you draw your whole deck shot put the card back in your deck and then it was a hundred percent chance to hit it and that was really the, that was the the tiger one right was that from uh yeah, that yeah. was from Trimala the rastakhan's rumble yeah i think yeah yeah really that was right deck. near the end of my time playing <laughs> so in Runeterra, we have literally nothing that's anywhere near any of the hearthstone decks that work like that but there are some niches that kind of still fulfill that itch for me so my Leeson, my Leeson as real Leeson Karma deck is something that still like really does that, um, and not in the way that like Leeson Targon does it, where you're trying to OTK them with just a combo really early in the game. My goal is deny your game plan infinitely <laughs> until I can just grind you out and eventually combo you. And mm. I found a few other decks that kind of do that. I do personally like Ash Knox a lot because. Depending on the matchup, sometimes it really does play that way, where you're kind of stalling the game until you get a full board freeze and they can't block anything. You're OTKing still. Yeah, and sometimes Ash Knox can do that early in the game as well. I mean, yeah. I, I think its goal is really to do that more towards turn eight, right? It wants to win with some some big big boys closer to turn eight. But uh, but yeah, there is certainly sometimes that that Ash deck can can grind it out. What were some of the other decks that you brought? So you had your comfort pick. Did you have a couple of other experimental decks that you consistently brought with you, or did you bring like two meta decks and then uh, and then your two or three meta decks, whatever, and then your your comfort pick? So for Swiss, it was just depending on what deck they had just played, since I would normally queue up my least in deck first, I would pick something else for my collection that I just felt would be a good matchup. Uh, but for the top eight, I brought, I think, the same four decks every single week for the okay. entire thing. And um, I brought, here, I can pull them up right now. Yeah, let Ash us know Knox, what four Frostbite, decks. Uh, Tom Kench Soraka. My Leeson Karma as real. And then lastly, Garen Elites with a harrowing splash. Garen <laughs> Elites. Yeah, for the fallen. Garen Elite. Three for the fallen, two harrowing, and then just all elites is the deck. Yep. That's so funny. And I think this was the deck that Gibbles and Bits had the hardest time running up against. Yeah, I, I think in the uh last yeah, in our last set it was uh five and oh against him. Yeah, that uh, I'm I'm sure he loved that feeling. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, he he was none too pleased about that. The funniest thing too was that he uh, and I had been tinkering. Uh, we we both work at the uh, at an escape room, uh, and so just on weekends and stuff like that. So a lot of times we're just hanging around watching groups and stuff, just just kicking it. So we'll sometimes boot up games and sit there and watch and and kind of co-op pilot, you know. And we had been on an elites kick for uh, a week or two. And then uh, and to the point where he was even thinking about like trying it out. 
and then we kind of kept stumbling into the thing that like if you don't curve it out it just it it kind of can suck <laughs> if you don't hit your curve but if you hit your curve it's like unbeatable <laughs> and we were like and my thing is i hate i hate having to roll the dice on drawing the right cards i'm always the kind of person that wants to play a list that's like okay like i can stay in the game i can hang in there let me find the right combination of cards i'm like the classic like mid-range player that wants to uh have an answer for everything you know have an approach for everything i don't like playing super linear game plans i don't know if this is the elites list but he we were we were tinkering with this and i'm just like i hate this i hate this i hate this he's like this is so sick (laughs) so i think that's pretty true of a more traditional elite stack but for this one since you're running three four the fallen and the two harrowing uh, curving out is still good, but even yeah. then, you're not doing a lot of the things traditional elites are doing, like value trading, because you just won't want any of your units to die <laughs> until you want them to die. So you really hold back a lot. You take a lot of damage. You don't even try and get chip damage in a lot of the time. Like it, this deck actually really plays like a combo deck, in my opinion. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're just going until you uh, can get a good four Demacia off of the three drop that gives you one you can start pressuring them with four demacias later in the game just by building up a board and even if they manage to deal with your board or the fallen will just re-up everything or even if you don't have that harrowing will just give you an otk on the spot with cythria's yeah yeah cythria yeah. with uh with the harrowing is good they say you know, yeah, people so, so yeah, heard. it is <laughs> one of the of cards you'd like to get back uh that yes would be nice, yeah. <laughs> yeah plus one plus one to everything and fearsome to everything and if you get lucky plus two plus two plus three plus three to everything <laughs> and then i guess if you have a four of the fallen in your hand right that's cheap enough because you played elites you could reasonably harrowing attack with everything let them all die and then fill the board with three threes as well correct and the harrowing reduces the cost of your for the fallen by six oh because it summons so you'll you'll have a two mana so as long as you have that mana banks beautiful (laughs) oh that is a really crazy combo that just kind of wraps up the game wow oh that's very very interesting okay so just a couple of questions that don't necessarily relate to uh, this but what is your favorite champion in uh in currently that's in lor what's your favorite champ i think it's definitely lee sin it's i know <laughs> formula 408 like knows me very well like i've tried out lee sin with pretty much every champion of the game i've really experimented with a lot and since the champion drop with rising tides like it's most of what i've played okay okay so then uh you are you said you're a league player correct so you 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 play regular yeah. league of legends as well i don't play i'm ter- i don't play lee sin at all i don't even try to be griefing everyone if i did he's really hard he's very the, he's very difficult yes yeah. just as a card i love the flavor and i love the play style what's your uh what's your favorite league of legends character that would be lulu actually lulu okay so lulu. You're, su- you're a support and- player lulu support right uh, lulu mid and top actually oh okay. an innovative man yeah okay so well, back, back i don't, I don't know enough oh i don't know enough about it to yeah, know if it's either. mad I, I i've been told that lulu is a support but i'm a dota man so you know just... every time you say that three people stop listening to the show dbn stops they're not welcome here <laughs> um okay okay lungs then if the, i mean lulu's already in the game so that doesn't really count so what is a uh, one champion from league that you would love to see added or implemented into lor now um yeah you've probably played Wait, so this is tough for me right now because i had thought about this for a while and it was victor because that was my sev- second favorite that 
but they but just he's added in. Victor, so I don't have that. But it might be Jin. I think Jin. I don't really play ADC, but a- Jin is just my ADC flex pick because he's the ADC who's least like an ADC for the game. Okay. And okay. I, in terms of just how, especially how Runeterra brings a lot of the champion flavor into the cards themselves, I think there's a lot of space for them to work with with Jin. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it'd be a really cool card, however it's done. I do think it's really funny how uh, your favorite ADC is the one that plays least like an ADC. Because as a as like a support and uh, offlane main in uh, Dota for like 3,000 hours, anytime I somehow got stuck playing <laughs> playing a hard carry, I'd always be like, okay, let me find the characters that like play most like a nuker and let me let me just do that instead because farming and right clicking is not my game (laughs) (laughs) i related so hard to that (laughs) okay last question we're getting a big announcement tomorrow so i mean this episode comes out on the 8th but that is the day that we're getting whatever's next for runeterra in 2021 so this episode will come out before we get that announcement um there's always some people who listen to it pretty early on so lungs what are you hoping for in 2021 what are some things that you would love to see added to legends of runeterra in the coming year Uh, i'm really excited for new game modes specifically like i i know we already have the gauntlet in the labs and a part of that is just seeing how we expand on that like, I know when we had the first PBE lab, that that was incredible, in my opinion. Like, that really brought me back to doing a lot of the uh, single-player content in Hearthstone or where they mm-hmm. added stuff like Dungeon yeah. Run. And I, there's so much space for them to work with, and I'm sure they're going to bring us a lot there. And I'm looking for maybe if we can get a um, evergreen tournament mode. Whoa, what do you in, mean by that? What is that? Uh, instead of us having a specific window for a tournament, um something that maybe works like a more consistent clash like maybe every weekend you just go into the tournament mode and you will get matched up in a bracket of just 32 players and you just play a actual tournament oh oh, oh, yeah Mm -hmm. not something not something that's so formal but just basically the client organizing tournaments kind of like we've been doing as a community already Mm -hmm. yeah they do that now for like rocket league i think magic online has that as well or something similar, but yeah, where you something can just similar. jump into a lobby with other people and play a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was just a best of eight um, and it was nothing more than that, like that would be awesome. I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, if they wanted to throw events where like, hey, we're having a 32 tournament this weekend, you can jump into 32 tournaments. And because 32 first, a lot of people like that's a pretty significant chunk of time. Like as somebody who has two children jumping into a tournament with 32 people would take me a sizable chunk of my Saturday. Um, oh God. But if I was to jump in a eight person <laughs> tournament, that might be something that, you know, for me, that would be awesome. And I think would be cool. So new features, anything else? I mean, I'm sure we're going to hear about a new region. Do you have a region that you yeah. would love to see? Uh. Uh, everyone's saying it's the next one, and I'm definitely biased towards it too. Is uh, Sharima, which it, it's probably going to be it. But I know a lot of my favorite characters in League are from Sharina. Like I love Azir, I love Renekton. Like I'd be really excited to see some of those guys in the game. Yeah. And they're... what I'm especially excited for is new Ionia cards. So <laughs> it feels like less of a trash region right now. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's not. It, it's a great support region right now. It's. 
fine uh, if you, it's supported. Yeah, it's it's uh here's Lee Sen, also some other cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, D- Lee Sen and deny. <laughs> DBN, do you have any other questions for Lungs before I ask him the last one? Yeah, I uh, I do have a question. It's the question I'm going to ask every single guest uh, until uh, the thing I want changes, just to see if they agree. Uh, if you could rework any champion in uh, Legends of Ruterra, which one would you rework? There is a correct answer. No, no, there's not. Vladimir. Vladimir. <laughs> uh, that's the correct answer. But, uh, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. You can answer something else, being you no, love but, but by all means, uh, yeah, please. Uh, I'm, I actually am interested. I, I think it would probably still be Vladimir on some way. I don't think it would even need to be something big. I like his flavor. Just something in his entire kit isn't working. And it feels like it's hard for literally everyone in from players to streamers to developers to find out what that actually is and yeah. place it. Because it seems like no version of a fix works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, no matter what they do. I mean, they got to start from the ground up uh, on, yeah. on poor Vlad. Okay, the final... Well, I, I have a reputation to uphold with this question, so I thank, thank you for answering it uh, in the way that I wanted. But is your honest answer really <laughs> Lulu? I mean, that's your favorite character in League. Do you wish that you uh, could... Yeah, actually, actually pitch, us, pitch Lulu? us a Lulu... Yeah, pitch us a Lulu concept here, because, I mean, I have tried, and I, I cannot get success with that champ. So... I actually think Lulu's an incredibly designed champion, especially for how her fl- how she works in League. Like they really captured all of her mechanics in this, I think, as best as they could. And I love how she works. I love her design. And I don't think she's the issue with Lulu decks. I think it's a lot of other things. Interesting. And I have I have had success. Like I started playing a lot of Lulu Zoe as mm-hmm. just a full on aggro deck, just elusive aggro deck. Lulu <laughs> right, Zoe, okay. like uh, little Sparkyologists, like that kind of stuff. And I've had a lot of success with it. Just you go against the control deck with Avalanche and you lose the game. You just lose. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. the problem. But you beat down a lot of other stuff. Hmm. I think, yeah, Lulu's not the issue with Lulu decks. And I wouldn't change Lulu. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, Lulu would fit well with Zoe and would fit well with an elusive build. Uh, and well, and, and I think that, that on paper, you do look at Lulu and you're like, hey, Lulu's on paper really yeah. pretty solid. It's just in practice, it tends to not, tends to be underperforming overall, but it's cool. It You'll was, have to shoot me your list. I wonder if I, I wonder, <laughs> Lungs, I wonder if I fought you because I fought a Lulu Zoe list not long ago. Uh, who was an elusive aggro list? It just so happened that I was playing. Uh, I was playing Victor Heimerdinger uh, with a Splash with Noxus, which was all removal, and then uh, and then it was a token strategy where I would have my bots um, that re- created the one mana deal of damage to the opponent's face, and my Victor, which is a one mana spell with Heimerdinger, and he would just keep generating one mana bots. Um, and throwing them on the board <laughs> and then removing everything from my opponent's board and then generating one mana bots and for free. And I beat that deck, but, uh, but it was really aggressive. Um, it was, it was a super aggressive deck. So I probably didn't play against you, but I definitely played against a deck that was similar in theme uh, to, to that, which was, uh, which was interesting. Okay. So the final question that I have to ask lungs is this, what advice do you have to give to the, the next league, right? Because league season, three will be coming up 
I don't, I don't know when because everything in the world is crazy. But um, League Season 3 is going to be coming up, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be joining in and playing through. Probably we're going to use a very similar format. Like the Swiss and the tournament was amazing. It was mm-hmm. really, really phenomenal. Probably going to be doing something similar. What do you give advice-wise to the folks who might be joining in mm-hmm. for Legends Cast Discord League Season 3? Well, I think I probably have two main points on this, which is, first off, don't let the meta affect your decisions about what you want to play. Play, Playing something you like will always be more important than playing what everyone else considers strong. It's, it's, this, this game has so much skill involved and so much skill expression in every single part of the game that you just play what you want. Play what you want, please. I I would also love, as someone who's probably going to be participating again, to see more decks. Because I know Gibbles and Bits, Leona Yasuo, took me for a ride. Like <laughs> he really, he really put me through it. He was—he's the one who threw me down in losers bracket at the very beginning. So going back through all of it and taking him down at the finale was absolutely amazing. And the there second thing would be also keep persevering, even if you lose games at the beginning. The point of this is to have fun, and I can confidently say at all points through this whether I was winning or losing, even though it was mostly winning, I had a lot of fun. (laughs) At no point did any game feel bad. And just playing with all you guys is great. Like, I know for the entire, even though I 3-0'd most of my matches at the end of it, none of those matches were close. All three games were very tight, and I barely won them, and it was a great time. And I hope that everyone who participates sticks with it. Because you're going to have a great time. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had such a good time and I'm glad that uh season two wrapped up so well. It was a really uh it was a really epic finish um to to season two to have you and and, uh, and Gibbles go up against one another. And I will uh, I will echo your thoughts because in season two I had a few stipulations that DVN may or may not have put on me that made me not so good. Um, but in season one, the thing that won me so many games was uh, was Ash Lux Mage Seekers, um, and it wasn't a good deck, but it was what I was most comfortable on, um, and that was the off-meta pick that caught my opponent's off guard that won me the most games um, throughout the season one, and that's what really took me to the final stage of the tournament in season one was that deck. Um, and, uh, I mean, I got trashed on in the finals, but I did get there. <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, uh, you know, Lungs, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for participating in the tournament. Thank you for being part of the community. Um, we appreciate you and we appreciate your participation in everything that Legends Cast is doing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, and thank you for being part of what we're doing. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Time for the main event. Okay, guys, it was awesome to have Lungs on the show. Uh, In this segment of the episode, what we're going to be doing is taking a look at a couple of potential reworks, right? So we got an announcement uh, tomorrow. So when this episode releases, the day this episode releases, they're going to project out what we can expect from from Legends of Runeterra and their team in 2021, which is really exciting. But there's a couple of semi-problematic cards in the meta today that DBN and I thought might be good to talk about. Because although there are new, there was new tools, like Riven was a new tool, Zoe was a new tool, Victor was a new tool. 
But I'll be honest, the new tools were kind of a little pale in comparison to a couple of the old tools that were already in place with the exception of maybe one card, which has been pretty meta warping. And, uh, and although I didn't really feel necessarily burnout on the fact that there wasn't some things that I wanted to try, it was the fact that I did feel like I couldn't try them. This was probably this meta right now. I know not everyone is discouraged, but I have been discouraged by very few metas in, in Legends of Runeterra. I've pretty much been fine with every single meta we've had. This is the meta that I have been the most discouraged with, which might not be the most popular opinion, but for me personally, the most discouraged with. There's been a couple of cards that we've seen as maybe maybe needing some adjustments and we wanted to just brainstorm and spitball what some of those adjustments might be uh dbn what cards am i talking about here man what, what am i talking about i mean i'm certain that there's two main ones on yours and most other people's minds um and you know as the uh the hottest runeterra podcast on the radio we are here to talk about them yes um no, I mean, I said hottest. I mean, by hottest, I mean most physically attractive. That's us. That is definitely us. I mean, Saucy oh, Mailman's man. a good looking dude, but I don't oh, he know. Is. That's I, true. I've never seen his coat. They don't have, so I don't know. Maybe if they had two Saucy Mailmans, then then they would have that award. Just there's rag, only one. Ragging on, only one. ragging on Blevins, who I've never talked to before. <laughs> yeah, no, I have no idea. <laughs> man, I heard Blevins ain't too good looking. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, we're the ones that we're going to meet up and, and play board games and cut down trees and stuff. Yeah, right? just so, so That's manly right. and attractive. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> despite that uh despite that distraction now we we do want to uh you know we're 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 really uh just some blue collar card game players and so sometimes there's uh some some cards that we don't like and you know what i here's the thing i wish i could be a hipster and tell you that it, i didn't agree with the uh with the consensus or that i had some sort of magical card that nobody else thinks is bad that i want nerfed or something like i really railed on hallow death breeze for a long time and most people just were kind of like all right dbn that's enough uh but in this case i think that uh we speak with everyone's mind when we say go hard slash pack your bags yeah mm -hmm. grand plaza we are here to take a look at those two yeah so okay let's talk about uh go hard pack your bags this is the the tier one meta deck uh tf go hard right now this is Bilgewater and shadow isles and of course it uses the kda card um which is pack your bags one mana a slow spell one mana deal one to a creature and uh it drains and then it shuffles two more pack your bags into your deck once you've casted that three times you get uh go hard which is uh a one mana deal five to everything on your opponent's board including your opponent's face this deck runs a lot of early game small creature draw that you get out of the tf package along with the guy who summons the one damage to himself and one damage to another ally in order to draw a card um and then a lot of just sort of the draw that shadow isles and bilgewater brings with it um, then some of the top end control tools that Shadow Isles and uh, specifically Shadow Isles brings with it, um, including Vengeance, Rumination, and then, um, of course, our good friend Ladros, which just chunks your opponent's life in half. You draw a ton of cards, you fill your decks full of pack your bags, then you go hard their face after you Ladros them. It's a pretty stinking oppressive deck right now. Um, I'm sure, DBN, you've had more than a few opportunities to play against it. Yeah, you know, here's the here's the, actually the funny thing. I've played against this deck a lot of times, and I actually think I have a pretty good record against it. 
But I think that that has more to do with two things. It has to do with me really knowing the matchup pretty well and knowing what they're doing and, and how I need to play in order to give myself a shot. Uh, I think that's one part. I think the second part is I've been a little bit lucky in some of the games mm-hmm. I've played against them where like they just don't find what they need at the right times. Uh, but the, the bigger thing is I play a lot of things just naturally that I like that happen to counter this. Anytime I really feel like laddering quickly, I play mist rates and mist rates are like one of the better decks to play against uh, TF go hard. Yeah. Um, Because of the fearsome units and, mm -hmm. um, and just the fact that they, you know, they, they don't mind if their board gets cleared because they usually have ways to just keep pumping out units. Um, So as long as you don't get go uh, pack your bags like twice, you can usually survive the first one and, and still close out a game because you've got so many things that generate more units, a lot of resource extension with glimpse and, you know, uh, stalking shadows. But, but here's the thing, like this, this card is shutting out a lot of board based decks uh, from entering the game. And, and it kind of harkens back to the discussion we had with silver fuse like weeks ago. And, and mm-hmm. even then she accurately pointed out what has maintained you know what is what has stayed true up until this point which is that um this tf go hard list basically mitigates uh kind of mid-rangey board-centric lists uh from entering the meta at least at a, at a higher tier right yeah. it stops them from making it higher up the tier list uh because if they can't win the game super fast Right. Uh, and when before TF Go Hard can really assemble their kind of combos, so to speak, it's not true like OTK or anything. But um, it, it, but if they if they are going to the mid to late stage of the game and they care about placing units on the board, there's really not much they can do there. The TF Go Hard can pump out enough chump blockers uh, to really kind of stop all but the fastest of lists. It also can just cycle through enough cards to be able to find these Go Hards and pack your bags really really fast and with the fact that like go hard and stuff trains it gives them enough like stability mm-hmm. to really hang in there um a- elise in this deck makes a big difference because elise being probably one of the best if not the best early game champion um yeah. i mean she's very good on two um and elise does a really good job of creating chump blockers putting on a little bit of pressure adding a little bit of chip damage but also is a pretty substantial blocker in the early game that can shut down some aggressive decks that aren't playing fearsome as a strategy of course yeah as a two mana two three it can really stop a lot of things and, and survive to hopefully stop a second thing before before dropping you know and really kind of is one of those attention demanders it's a card that says okay don't completely ignore me or else i get more complicated once i uh once I level, but, but yeah, no. And, and TF is such a strong like card in and of itself. Any sort of aggro lists, very strong just by itself, even before the level up, but the level up, the entire deck is designed to be able to level them up if they ignore TF. And if they're not ignoring TF, it doesn't really matter. You're still like, they're devoting resources to killing your things, which means they're not threatening your life total. Um, yeah, it's just, it's very refined. It, it really, can handle just about every matchup unless it's directly teched against it. And even in those, I have lost to it with, with mist rates. I have, I've still lost to this deck while playing a deck that directly counters it. Um, there's just, especially with how much draw you can really fit in between those two, uh, those two factions. There's just always the chance that they draw the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that chance is just you know, increased tenfold. 
the thing is, go hard in and of itself shouldn't feel like such an impactful card. It just so happens that there's already this idea. I mean, people even before go hard, people are already uh, tinkering with like turbo TF lists, where like you're trying to get TF leveled up yeah. as fast as possible, and having that secondary win condition where TF is a win condition of itself, but go hard being able so to not Ladros. just yeah, Ladros, of course. And and just go hard being able to come in and just be that big closer when you're already doing what you want to do. And TF is a win condition. You've got two win conditions that are achieved by the same method mm-hmm. in many ways. Um, you have you also have, in addition to that, so you have a couple of tools from Bilgewater that are very central to this, which is the, I mentioned him earlier, the uh, two mana, two, three, that when you summon it deals one damage to itself and one damage to something else to draw mm-hmm. a card. So that's, yeah. that's draw and it's chump blocker, which is very, very important for this deck. And then you also have the four mana, two, two elusive merfolk type creature that draws a, a two or less mana spell from your deck, which is going to draw one of two things with this deck. It is going to draw either pack your bag slash go hard. Or it's going to draw um, the two mana sacrifice a creature and draw two, which is, I should know that. Yeah, Glimpse, which accelerates your game plan either way. That card is a freaking MVP because it is a tutor for the two cards that you desperately want in your deck. And by the way, having Elusive can stop, again, what might be a good counter, which would be Elusives. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, stops that in its tracks. It's a, it's Between an that and TS, slash... like those two on four crush Elusives. Absolutely. I mean, so that takes out at what would normally be a natural counter to a deck that wants to sit back and draw cards, right? But it also is chip damage against anything that it itself doesn't have elusive because that two mana or that two attack creature is just going to hit you every turn. Boom, two, boom, two, boom, two. And of course, that that just makes it that just narrows that window um, for when those pack your bags come down. So which um, come down yeah. a lot sooner than you might think, because what this deck does is it hard mulligans for pack your bags. That's all yeah. you really need to have in your hand is pack your bags. Oh, you God. have enough draw. You have enough draw to uh, to get the other ones in your hand once you've played one. Um, and it is, it really isn't terribly uncommon for them to have this thing prepped and ready to go by turn five or six, which is very, very early to have this go online. Well, and and deal five to all of your enemies and uh, and Nexus is just absolutely just game breaking when you can do it fast and consistently. And the thing is, is that like it, if it, if it did it to yourself too, wouldn't be good. At least it wouldn't be as anywhere near as good. If it costs more mana, same thing, right? But at one mana, it obliterates your opponent's entire board and puts damage on their face. And by the way, when you're playing this list and you're just drawing out all these chump blockers, these little three mana, four mana less guys uh, that cycle cards in any way, shape, or form, right? So like the you've got the one mana guy that draws a card and gives it fleeting you know you've got all these little things that are coming down for chump blockers but when you wipe their entire board now you've got five units coming at your face even if something does survive it you're still taking the damage from the other things that you let through mm-hmm. um and you know yeah this um i mean we shouldn't probably have to explain to you why this is not good uh why this is strong but but the way that it wins is not like decks can be strong but the way that they win is important because it like it dictates the other decks that are being played in the environment and in this case with this being so consistent 
and completely ruining anything that wants to win through a board state. It really forces out a lot of those decks that generally people agree are fun to play in card games, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, things that are focused on actually placing creatures on the board, <laughs> which well, is the way part, so at least I want to play. And it pushes out almost every champion. I mean, there's very few champions with more than five health in this game. Um, Aurelian yeah. Soul is maybe one of the only ones, Aurelian Soul, Sejuani, some of the only ones pre-level up that have more than five health. And so one of the main things that draws people to this game, and I think one of the things that we have to remember is the new player experience, right? In yeah. some games, the new player experience, you can kind of get away with the fact that their MMR is so low or they're so new to the game that the matches that they're going up against other people who don't have very built collections as well. In this game, you can build a collection so rapidly. So I, I have a friend. I have a friend. He was at my house earlier this week. We're playing a board game. And I said, have you been playing LOR? And he said, well, I haven't really been. But I got back into it the other day. And I just threw together that TF Go Hard deck. And it's pretty good. Here's the point. This guy doesn't play regularly, right? He he doesn't he does not play regularly. He doesn't play daily, but he he plays enough that he can put together the top meta deck. This guy is going to get matched up against people who are new to the game. And if they're trying to play their favorite champion and they keep going up against TF Gohard, it could be very problematic for the new player experience as well. There's a lot of things to consider when you have a card that's in a game because when this card first was revealed i wasn't like i wasn't overwhelmed by it then even i remember like bones in our chat was talking about how awful this card is and even a month or two ago i was like i don't really think it's that bad but once this list has become so refined um in this tf elise version that it is like there was a lot of versions of this going around for a season and once it got refined down to the version it's in now now i'm kind of seeing what bones saw early on that says no, this deck is, in fact, um, problematic to the way that it shapes or warps uh, what else you can play. Well, and if I'm going to go at this from a different angle, right, there, there's two things I want to say. One is it just doesn't feel like you can do much as the opponent to stop this unless you're, like, waste to deny on a one-mana card, you know? That they can um, recreate. I mean, and I mean, obviously, you could be playing Nopify, but people don't really run that. That's definitely a card that kind of missed the mark, I think, overall. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a lot played a lot more than it has been. But, you know, um, and I think uh, the other big thing that bothers me about this is that it is a KDA card that has completely changed the environment. And I'm not one of those people that got really you know, worked up or upset that they did a special event with like an alternate universe stuff. That doesn't bother me so much. Would I have chosen to do that? No, but I think that, I think it's fine. I mean, ultimately it's Riot's game. Uh, as the consumer, sure. I can choose whether or not to spend money on it. I did not buy that event pass, but dang it, I bought that board. I got three different soundtracks I could switch between. So cool. Um, the simple <laughs> thing though is, I don't like that a limited time event card that is not really synergizing with any champions. It's not, I mean, well, it synergizes with TF, but not designed to, you know, it's not, it, it wasn't really designed to be a, I don't believe that these cards were designed to be as influential as they have been. It I, doesn't seem like it doesn't feel like they were been. intended to be. And, and, and especially in contrast to the other three, uh kda cards that are not influential 
these two stick out like a sore thumb and really kind of cast a pall over the event. And quite frankly, I don't love losing to a uh, kind of, quite frankly, little too long for my taste, K-pop animation. Right? Yeah, it's pretty animated. It's pretty it's animated. Pretty, it's pretty animated. <laughs> and I just look, I mean, I'm still the kind of person that, it, like, number one feature I would add to LOR would be able to click out of and skip animations. Mm. I know that sounds crazy, but I don't want to watch my opponent's animation. I want to look at the board. Like, when my opponent is playing stuff, it's one thing if I play and level up my champ. I'm like, oh, cool, I did it. Yay, it's a celebration thing. But when my opponent levels up, it's like, okay, get get this off my screen so I can look at the board and find out how to deal with it. Like, I don't like my view of the board being disrupted outside of my own control. Um I know that's a silly thing. It's not something well, I'm going to really get upset it's, about. It's not as big of a deal, too, for champions, right? It's a little bit a bigger deal when it's a long animation for cards that aren't champs. I, yeah, I like I mean, the full board I, animations for champs because they're so significant to the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it away from my opponent. I just want the ability to skip it on my side of things. Yeah, I get right? that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I will say I do really get sick of, like, puff cap decks and stuff like that, not because I dislike the – um, like the mechanics or anything, but the animations just little ink, little ink, little ink, little ink, little ink. I'm like, okay, I get it. You're stacking puff caps. I don't need to see this animation 15 <laughs> times, right? And with the KDA, it's a similar expression where I'm like, okay, I'm like, it does break immersion in a way, but only because it's just this big flashy animation thing that I'm like, what? You're playing this card dealing, you know, uh, roguish fellow, and all of a sudden there's a K-pop star dancing on my screen, and I can't get her to stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's annoying. It, it, and, it can be, yeah. <laughs> and I, that's just, I know that's a completely different angle. It has nothing to do with the mechanic itself, but but that bothers me. Uh, and so does, I mean, so does the animation on Feel the Rush. So does the animation on the, the bouncing things. I tell you what, the Victor lists, I've gotten really sick of playing against Victor lists because they keep playing like all these slow spells and it takes forever yeah, to get a through lot, it. A lot of one mana ticks. Over and over and over. I have to keep passing. Just, it's annoying. Just play against Victor and Heimerdinger, and every time he plays a one-mana spell, you have to pass at slow speed. And then I also the play a bot that you end. have to pass. The, the turns yeah. never end, and it's not like they're not playing fast. They can play fast, and the turns will still take forever. <laughs> well, okay, so we I think we've firmly established the fact that we see the problem with uh, with the go yeah, hard Yeah, we've dunked on it right? enough. Yeah, the, the, we, we, you know, we know, we... And it, 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 please understand, it's not that like uh, we're totally fed up with the game. We think it's the worst thing that's ever happened or anything. It, it's just like we see the problems with this card. Mm. Other people have seen it before, maybe not before us, but they've talked about it before us. We acknowledge the issues. How would we fix it, though? And I have one idea, and I'm not I, – my idea is convoluted and probably would not be the direction they would take things. Um, but I think one good way to do it would be after you play three copies of – it's pack your bags, pack your bags, pack your bags, then go hard, right? No, it's the opposite. Really? 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Three, okay. Go, go hard, hard, go hard and then hard. pack your bags. Okay. So I think it would be go hard, go hard, go hard. And then your go hards transform into pack your bags. Um, but the pack your bags would be the same, a one mana deal five to everything, but it would be fleeting. And if you do not play it on that turn that you transformed it, all of them go back to pack your bags again. And you have to play three of them again in order to transform it back into uh, go hards three more times in order to transform it back into pack your bags. So and then you wouldn't it want to play that fleeting again. So you wouldn't want to play that third go hard until you had a fourth one in hand so and, that you could make sure you turned it into right. Yeah, until you had a fourth one in hand and your opponent had a board that you knew that you wanted to do it to. And then right. your you would transform it and okay, you transformed it now. Now because what happens is they just play three of them and then they just sit with one in their hand forever until you fill your board up enough that they feel comfortable destroying it. And you can't do anything about it. And at least in that scenario, I think that you as an opponent would have a little bit more uh, latitude, a little bit more ability to control the outcome of the scenario by how you build your board. And knowing that in order for them to really pull that off, they're going to have to play two of them in one turn. Um, and I can sort of, okay, you played your first one. Now I can make my attack before I develop my board further because right. I know the one in your hand's fleeting and you want to play it by the end of this turn because if you don't play it, you're going to lose all the buildup of the ones that you've built up. Um, I think that that would be a creative way to do it. I do think it's probably too confusing and convoluted for them to do it. it it's just not straightforward enough. And I think people would get confused by like, what happened? Why did they transform back into the, you know, the thing? But th that's my thought. Like it, it, it tr transforms into that for a fleeting turn, um, wherever it is. So, yeah, um, I have, uh, I have two potential nerfs for this, and one uh, proposition for uh, the episode. The first is I think you could double the mana cost, take it up to two, and. I think this would still be worth playing, but obviously the margins by which it operates get a little tighter. You have to be a little more careful with your mana cost as you're building it up to the pack your bags. Um, just gets a little bit harder to spam out as much stuff because that's the thing you have to remember. This this deck is constantly has its hand full, right? It's constantly having its hand filled. And it's constantly playing the cards, the cheap cards that it has in its hand. So if you take this up to a two cost, um, I think that that would really kind of slow it down, but still unable to be played. Uh, my second and, and probably more elegant uh, change that might not be enough, but it's one that I saw Tower Hat Shaman, our Discord, talking about. I, I don't know if he came up with it. It's probably someone else has probably come up with it somewhere on Reddit. But uh, it's, a, it's a small difference in language, but... If you notice, Go Hard says, drain one from a unit and create two copies of me in your deck. Mm -hmm. And Tower Hat's suggestion was, what if it read, drain one from a unit to create two copies of me in your deck? So basically, if the drain didn't go off, if it got denied, notified, or if you barrier. glimpsed the creature that you targeted with the Go Hard, if you put a barrier on it, if you recall it to your hand, Anything that would fizzle the go hard doesn't create the copies. Oh, and then you could eliminate your opponent's strategy you, to use go hard that you way. You could mystic shot your own guy to stop it from getting go harded, to stop them from shuffling them. And then they have to go dig for their second copy or their third copy, which they still can tutor out, by the way, with mm -hmm. um, 
a zap spray fan, but um but it gives you the I ability think... to deny if you denied all three of them in some capacity, which multiple decks would be able to do because multiple regions have access to but, do what you're saying. Right. But you do still have to expend your own resources on your own guys. It does still slow the deck down. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I always am a fan of countering cards through basic abilities or or un like unintended uses of cards. Uh, defensively and stuff like that. Like I, I really don't love the. Uh, we've talked about this. The silver before. bullet solution. Yeah. The silver bullet mechanic. I much prefer uh, countering things with things that just naturally go better against it. Things like okay, I'm using fearsomes against TF Go Hard because I know they don't have a lot of three attack or higher guys. Right. Flip side. Um, you know, like um, the other day I, I, I had a, a fun game where my opponent. I was playing um uh Callista and Elise fearsome with Mistwraiths and I had Callista uh, leveled I you know put her in a combat everyone knows when that you have Callista you block Callista uh and it also will block the uh the other attacker you know the one that she summons that's ephemeral well if you glimpse beyond your Callista which sounds crazy if you intend to go another turn but if you glimpse your own Callista it actually stops that ephemeral guy from getting attacked by the one that blocked Callista. So in that way you can they think that they're going to get everything blocked and you can blow up your own Callista to let this other thing through. It's those unique situations and using things like everybody would go, okay, I'm going to use a drain uh, ability. I'm going to use my grasp of um grasp the undying, the undying on my thing. No, I'm going to mystic shot that so that you don't heal 3, mm -hmm. right? those sorts of interactions and those sorts of counters. And that was something that legitimately was in old burn aggro um, was the idea of anytime someone wants to, you know, vile feast you, or they want to grasp or anything like that. Cause grasp was really popular at the time uh, in the meta mm -hmm. when burn aggro was out there, you know, mystic shot your own guy, get excited, your own guy, you can't let them heal. And that was the counter, right? Yeah. Um, and I love that kind of natural synergy, letting those more versatile removal pieces and stuff be that counter. That is the 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 route that I would go is that drain one and then oh, that's a shuffle the really things if it mechanic. goes through. That's a really fun mechanic. Yeah, I um I I, I think that's uh, that's better than mine. I like yours. I like your well, I, I would like, I I would like to somewhere. Do, I would like to do yours. Up. I didn't come up with it. I wish I'd come up with it. I would have felt like a genius, but... Uh... Well, mine was inspired by some comment by B BBG on his stream. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. I think that that is a really phenomenal solution that is literally yeah. just a word change, but it does add this huge level of counterplay that yep. makes that card way it's not that it makes it so much less powerful it's still very powerful but it makes it so much more interactive and um it makes you want to play against it like there's you okay so now i'm going i okay i know what i'm going up against i know i'm going against tf go hard i know that i need to find tools and mulligan for tools in my hand that prevents him from getting his go hards online um and yeah. i think in his pack your bags ultimately online and i think because if you could just deny one of those if you could just deny the first the first doubling, one it would slow down that deck significantly and really force that thing to maybe have to get to a turn 10, 11, 12 or further before it ever got pack your bags uh, or yeah. got it. Yeah. Got pack your bags online. And uh, I think that is a really great, a really great change. 
Um, the other deck that we were talking about is, and, and here's the thing, I actually don't think that this particular card is, I don't, I don't know how to feel about this card. It's, it's internet because I just don't know how to feel about it. Um, because I don't feel the same way about this card that I feel about, um, I feel about uh, Go Hard at all. Um, and that is Grand Plaza, which is the three mana Demacia um, landmark that reads every time you play a creature, give it plus one, plus one in Challenger for this no, round. No, it does not say that. It says every time you summon a creature. Every time you summon a creature. He, yeah, that, that's huge, a huge yeah. difference. That's huge. Um, okay, so let's just go over some of the limitations of this card. First off, it's a landmark, it takes up a slot on your board. Second off, it is uh, it, it gives a plus one, plus one, and Challenger, which Challenger is only useful on your attack token, which often makes you not want to play creatures on your opponent's attack token. Um, and that if you don't draw it, oftentimes the decks that use it, if they don't draw it, they just lose because they yeah. are so centered around this card, and there really isn't a great opportunity to tutor landmarks out of your deck very easily because this deck's typically not run with Targon, which tutors landmarks. So those are a couple of limitations. Obviously, you've played against this deck if you're playing, if you're played against this card. There's multiple versions of it. There's a Hecarim Lucian version of it. There's yep. a uh, there's a Leona Aesol, which DBN's played. Um, there is a Garen version of it as well. Um, so there's multiple versions of this deck that are out there. Um, and, uh, and I'm, cu I'm curious to be in what your take on Grand Plaza is, because when we talked about this initially, like day one of the release, we said, this is yeah. probably going to warp the meta. Like we said it right away. Yeah. Um, here's what, here's the issue. The issue is it's swinging. Um, the, the, the efficacy of decks that are using Grand Plaza is completely defined by if they get Grand Plaza down in the first four turns or so, first mm -hmm. four or five turns. Um, if you can't, those decks aren't very good um, because they're built pretty heavily to get value off of that. Like the scouts lists that run it are not as good as the scout lists that don't run it unless they get Grand Plaza and then they're better, mm -hmm. right? The Hecarim lists that run it that Hecarim and, list and is I played not good the list at all without the Hecarim list is garbage without Grand, Grand Plaza. Plaza. But if it has Grand Plaza, it's nuts. Yeah, because <laughs> of a couple of very specific summon ephemeral cards. Yeah, right. So, so that's the issue that we're dealing with here is that if you draw it, it's crazy. But you have to build your deck around it in such a way that either one, if you do what I did, which is play it like with uh, Asol and Leona. It's being used in a fashion where really you're only ever getting one, maybe two uses out of it, or one, maybe two creatures getting value out of it on any given turn. And instead of it being a, I'm just going to tempo the crap out of them, it's I'm using this as a form of reliable, renewable removal, mm -hmm. right? Which is strong, and which I think it was intended to do. And I think it does that well. I can play that Leona Asol list with the Grand Plaza. And I will not see the Grand Plaza, and I can still win, right? Sure. That's good. That I think that that's a great way to use Grand Plaza. So really, the issue is what people don't like is that they get blown out when you see it, and it sucks uh, you know, when you don't see it. So what people are feeling is, okay, I'm queuing into this scouts list. 
my fate is decided by if they draw this card. And just that that dejected, that sinking feeling when they play that on that that Grand Plaza on turn three. And they're like, they just as easily could have not had it, and then I would have won. It's not fair. That's not a that's not an expression of their skill. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an expression of they drew the thing at the right time. Um, you know, I'm not ready to call for a for a, a huge nerf on this. I have some ideas about how you could change it, but I'm not also just not ready to call for a huge nerf on it yet because I think ultimately uh, it could use some tuning maybe, but I need to see it for a little bit longer. I hadn't had my kind of concise thoughts on go hard and pack your bags until the last couple weeks. You mm. know, I need to see more play with this. I need to see where it really ends up a month out from the expansions before I'm really ready to make a decision on, is this card fine? How it is. It's just strong because here's the thing, guys, people, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm saying this all the time. Cards are allowed to be strong. <laughs> uh it, it that's okay yes that's a and good I thing that that's a good thing i right and i think it's i think it needs to be acceptable for landmarks to be strong because in many ways they're like mini champions they're like champions they're just places mm-hmm. right they're iconic places in the lore just like the the champions are iconic people in the lore i think that's okay personally i, I would like more of the uh landmarks to be as influential as Grand Plaza. So let me let me give a couple of my thoughts on it, and then I'll let you say what you would – maybe adjustments you might make, and I'll share a couple of adjustments that I had thought of. Um, so so here's what I love about Grand Plaza. I love Hecarim Lucian deck. I love that that's a deck. I love that Hecarim and Lucian were virtually unplayable, nowhere in the meta, and Hecarim and Lucian came out of left field. I love that it made Ephemerals viable, and Ephemerals yeah. were not seeing any play at all in any capacity. Love that, and and I I love every aspect of that. Um, and there and, and you know what? I love that it's a board centric card. I love that it says you're going to play for the board. I've actually beaten it before with my uh, my my Victor uh, Heimerdinger deck. I've beaten it as long as they didn't get two plazas down because after they traded, I was able to make adjustments and ping stuff away. I don't think that this card warps the meta in the same way that things like Leeson, Zed, or even Pack Your Bags go hard to because it doesn't completely push out all other solutions um i would even say to a certain extent sort of like scar grounds frail yord um has an opportunity to combat it although it's not nearly as good because it's harder to make work i've played with it and i have found there being turns where i'm like man i really want to develop this turn on their turn but i also don't want to develop because i really want the things that i was going to develop this turn to get my plus one plus one and challenger next turn and so there have been times where the card felt a little bit awkward i think a card that's this powerful should have moments where it feels a little suboptimal and a little bit awkward. Um, But I do understand why people get frustrated with it as well, because when it does come down, there are some decks that are just like, okay, I was playing a board-centric deck, and with Grand Plaza, I'm just completely outvalued at this point. Like, I just cannot outvalue the Grand... And and one of the... I think maybe more than that... uh, Let me just put it this way. I think more than that is that so much of this game is choosing how to block. 
right? There's so much skill and engagement in my opponent attacks and they have to choose who it, they're going to attack with and be careful who they're going to attack with because I get to pick how I'm going to block. And when you say that this deck now gets to make, I've already been on record on actually on uh, the off meta report podcast. I said, I think challenger is the most powerful keyword in the game because it there's so much mechanic around choosing how to block and who you're going to block that challenger just overrides. And when this card is in the game, it says on my attack token, I always override it. Um, I'm just always going to override this very central part of the game. Um, and that uh, that is stirred in me a couple of thoughts for maybe how I would change it. But DBN, what are your thoughts? That's my like initial thoughts of what I like about it, what I don't love about it. What are your thoughts about how you might make an adjustment? Yeah, well, and I, I do want to say kind of attack on to, to what you said is, you know, the strength of Challenger. Um, you know, the strength of Challenger isn't just getting to take down your opponent's big, scary thing that you need to kill, like their TF that's sitting on the bench. It's much more than that. It's also being able to make sure that your thing that you don't want to die uh, gets uh, doesn't get the blocker that they know that they could kill it with. So, for instance, if I have my Lulu, or let's say it's a Lulu, I know this is crazy. You wouldn't play Lulu with grandpas, or maybe you could. I don't know. Uh, but let's say I've sure let's say Lucian, whatever. If I'm playing Lucian, that's more reliable. Uh, and uh, I see that they've got you know Lucian's a two-two or three-two, three-two, mm-hmm. and they've got a five-five, right? And everything else they have is little, and they have a five-five. Well, right now, I'm not going to swing with Lucian. I, maybe I don't have any combat tricks or anything. I'm not going to swing with Lucian. I want to swing with Lucian, mm-hmm. right? Well, why don't I just summon a little token and force that token to pull what would have been the blocker for Lucian over to a disposable 1-1 so that I can put that damage through? The ability, it's not just about challenging something as in you typically think of like a duel. It's also pulling blockers away from the things that they would be wanting to block. Right. Mm-hmm. It's so, so powerful. Um, and, uh, and so, of course, the issue then becomes um, the strength of Grand Plaza is how strong it is with little guys. It's yes. so strong with lots of small units because those small units can protect the more important bigger units by pulling over optimal blockers. And sometimes, yeah, they'll go and kill something too. But these small units, the especially disposable ones, ones that come in, you know, uh, for free or for cheap or, or all at the same time. Um, those are the things that are really making it go crazy. That's why you're seeing things like Island Navigator, Petty Officer. You're seeing uh, the Double Trouble card yeah. uh, being yeah. played with Strange it. Stuff. I mean, which is cool. That's so cool. That those cards came out I, of nowhere and were good. Like, that's and we're, really and we're fun. good. Yeah, really fun. Um, but maybe it's too much, right? So I have a couple thoughts. And maybe I'm gonna, maybe it's gonna go overkill or something like that. But he, here's what I was thinking: uh, the Grand Plaza. I think a lot. Of, I see a lot of people calling for it to only be a plus one attack. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe that's still maybe that's still good. Um, if it, everything stays the same and only gives plus one attack, I, I feel like I'll I'll still see it with ephemerals because the challenger part and the attack part is what ephemerals care about. Yes. Uh-huh. That's cool. Um, so maybe the dropping one defense is is the case. I feel like I probably wouldn't see it as much with uh with scouts in that case. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's, to, it's hard to tell. 
Yeah, I mean, Scouts definitely wants to build a resilient board, and the plus one, plus one, it goes a long way to building a resilient board. Um, yeah. Um, so maybe that is the answer. Maybe, you know, the idea of, like, it, it's kind of forces you into the idea of, like, okay, if I'm challenging things these things, they either need to be big, beefy boys that already weren't going to die, like I'm doing with Asol, mm -hmm. right? Uh, slash Leona Daybreak. Uh, or they need to be spuds that you don't care and you're expecting them to die. This isn't going to help them survive. So I think mm -hmm. that could be that could be the way to go about doing it such that it's still viable for some decks, but not quite for as many decks. Uh, and especially it's not going to help uh, things stick around for a while, um, which I think can be a bit of a problem, a little bit of a snowball factor for like the scouts build. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I was thinking of, and I've seen this posted a couple places would be uh saying that the first uh creature you summon so i've seen i've seen two variants i've seen the first creature you summon gets plus one plus one challenger i've also seen uh creatures you play have plus one plus one summon now if you do play ephemerals instantly dies yeah it crushes a lot of that deck there are some versions right. of it that run less of the big summons um but it i think it hurts the best version of that deck um i think it also i mean obviously you could still play it with like scouts or elites but you would stop running the bilgewater package which is running like the island navigators the so double really what it does is it kills the two like all of the new cards that came that like came out of the woodwork for this card yeah. it kills all of those that, that it kills fix. all of those and right? i don't want to so, see that happen yeah it, yeah exactly um so my thought was I would say that it becomes a two mana card that mm -hmm. says uh creatures you summon get challenger. DDN, let me just tell you what my idea was. My idea was that it would become a two mana card that made all the creatures you summon have challenger. <laughs> not, not, is that really your idea? Even, well, my my literal idea is that it's split. Either it is, uh, it's either a two mana card that makes all the creatures you summon get challenger, or it's a two mana card that makes all the creatures you summon get plus one plus one until the end of round. Um, one of those two things, but not both. <laughs> Drop in a mana and do one of the yeah. two. That was my idea. Yeah. Hey, hi, digital high five, yes, my man. Yes, digital high five. <laughs> Um, but I'm really not ready to, I think, I think either that idea or I would like to see maybe just the minus one defense, but that thing is, that means it's still going to be around and still very strong for certain decks. Um, I'm just not ready to see it, um, go anywhere yet. I think I want to let place. it sit for a bit longer. I, I will fully admit that it's very, very strong. Mm -hmm. It's very potent, and it probably still will become even stronger as people, you know, continue optimizing, continue finding, and potentially find something even crazier that we hadn't expected. I think it's the most enjoyable when it's doing things, uh, most enjoyable to play and play against when it's being used uh, in more mid-rangey decks. I think that might have been the original intention uh, to allow you to play proactive threats that can come down and serve as removal, playing creatures to the board that serve as removal. And in fact, it may still serve that purpose in an even better fashion once uh, Gohard kicks the bucket and we get those K-pop stars off my dang screen. Mm -hmm. All right? Um, yeah, that's which, a thing, by like... the way, that's my pitch for the title of the episode. Uh, get that K-pop off my screen. That is going to be the name of the episode. Um, I, the I episode hate coming now. up with the names. That's perfect. Yeah, get perfect. that K-pop off my screen. Yeah. Um, but 
But yeah, no, I'm not ready to see it go. I, I will tell you, and I know we want to wrap up this segment. Those were the two main cards we wanted to talk about. My concern is when Go Hard goes away, and potentially even if Grand Plaza starts moving away, I'm worried about Feel the Rush coming back and being dominating again. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I really can't stand that list, that that Feel the Rush list. I mean, just from a personal perspective, I mean, like, I really like War Mothers. I think War Mothers is an amazing card. Mm-hmm. It gives you something right away, but it, it still forces you to construct your deck in a more meaningful fashion. Um, you have to kind of balance that idea of like, okay, how many lower cost creatures do I want to include uh, in order to make it so that if when I play War Mothers, I'm getting high value targets, right? And you, you're sacrificing some stuff in that early game. Feel the Rush, in, I really think Feel the Rush is the superior build because it just can close games faster than War mm-hmm. Mothers. Yes, oh, I agree. Uh, and it doesn't cost, it doesn't have the same deck building cost because you just run the champs. You you could still run early game stalling and stuff like that. Um, oh, it's I, just a straight I, better I, card. It's just a straight up better card. I mean, I think War Mothers is, there's still a very strong War Mothers list out there, but it just, it really just stomps on War Mothers and just kind of, makes it superfluous a little bit with the exception of like the Targon's Peak list, mm-hmm. which wants both. And I already hate that. I, <laughs> I want Feel the Rush to change. I want Feel the Rush to go up to 13 mana or something. I, I, I want Feel the Rush gone is what I'm getting at. I wish that card had never been printed and I feel that way about very few things. Um I am really worried that's going to come back. I hate playing against it. The environments that I've been least happy with is the one right when Feel the Rush was popular. I really despised playing in that environment, and I'm worried that that's going to come back um, if Grand Plaza and Go Hard get adjusted because I think that that's like maybe the next best thing you know on the docket. Yeah. Um here's here's my adjustment for um uh for the big boy what's the name of it again the big boy feel the rush feel the rush um here here's my here's my adjustment for it and only because this is the only type of mechanic that i actually enjoy with cheating stuff out um i didn't love Hearthstone. i didn't love the druid deck that tried to cheat a bunch of stuff out i won a lot of games with it didn't love it um i didn't love uh didn't love it cheating stuff big boys out in uh in tessel either don't love it in magic either um what i however what i do love is the requirement to kill the things before you're capable of pulling them out i love oh, like great artifacts. so i would not mind the feel the rush reading um the 12 mana summon two champions summon up to two different champions that died this game and make them 10 tens um that they have to be your ah. champions so in other words mm-hmm. sure if you want you want to summon a t- trundle and a trindomir you can do that but you're doing but it you later game them. because you've had to play them and they've had to die before you're able to feel the rush and then get 10 10 versions kind, i think that's like a, a bigger rekindler yeah, like a big old rekindler. I think that is a very fun um, and a far more engaging version of that deck that allows your opponents to play against it because then they can intentionally not kill off your trundle. Yeah. That way yeah. your trundle can't be resurrected. Um, and I think that that is a way better version of that deck that doesn't allow it to go off quite so soon. You can still ramp. You can still play your champs. 
but your champs have to die before you can get the 1010 versions of them and you have to kill one of each before you can get the 1010 versions of them um because it yeah puts and them i in like that, that too because i like that too because it might potentially motivate people to go uh along like an, an anivia route or something like that and really kind of double down on the like anivia resurrecting mm -hmm. except you don't need to go for a kindler anymore but yeah. you still can't. You could double it up. Yeah. That'd be cool. And it could um, yeah, make no, Anivia stronger. I, I like that more, way more. Yeah, no, and, and that that's just something that, like, this is maybe more the personal, like, emotional side of, like, things I like to play against, things I don't like to play against. And, and I really hate when people can, like, cheat big things out consistently. It's one thing if it's hard to do, like, if it's a like, big combo or something like that. Like, I like in Tessel, uh, for those of you guys who know, I mean, I was, I was the, they did a thing on the Reddit uh, the Tesla Reddit, where they do a card of the day, and whatever the random card of the day was, they would usually link to like a deck that it was viable in, or you know something like that, um, and uh, or like any you know kind of talk about if it's had any big impacts in like tournaments or stuff like that. And there's this card called Hulking Scale on, and when it became that uh, that card's uh, day on the Reddit. Um, my deck and my stream were put in there because I was the only person playing with it. Mm. Uh, but it was all about cheating this big, nigh unkillable thing out uh, early and, you know, attacking multiple times with it to win the game. The thing is, you had to work so hard to do it. Yeah, the payoff sure. was great, but it was, you, you really had to work to achieve that. Feel the rush. You don't really have to work that hard to achieve it. No. You can kind of just play the game and then get it. Ramp and make sure uh, it's in your hand. <laughs> yeah and and really the ramp is uh, in many ways kind of optional against half the decks it, you really got a ramp if you're playing against a faster mid-range or or even an aggressive list you know but against a standard mid-range list which i feel like keeps getting punished i feel like they really have a hard time keeping mid-range in the in the environment they're either making these ultra you know reliable control lists with big early you know early in the match payoffs right mm -hmm. or you know they're getting these really crazy kind of non-interactive uh burn, combo decks like burn or yeah, elusive burn, burn or elusive well those are aggro but i'm i'm talking about like go hard pack your bags mm. or like you know for the while that they had um uh um vi and elise uh with uh um shoot what's it? she does the uh Catalina, karina? Katarina, karina yeah karina control did they just seem to have a really hard time keeping board states relevant uh you know in in this from a balanced perspective and hey it's hard i get it you want to play you want to have cool things you want control players to feel like they have cool rewards right mm -hmm. oh but yeah that's where i feel like howling abyss is that i feel like howling abyss is the right direction like a, a kind of grindy you know thing that's the kind of that's one way you do control on the other hand you got karma out there for some combo control and stuff like that but i think you get to the point where like if you're handing it all to them in a single card Here's your entire win condition in one card, and it's better than all the multi-card win conditions. That's a problem to me. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Feel the Rush, get rid of it. Get that K-pop off my screen. I, I'll be honest with you. If Feel the Rush was that graveyard mechanic I just talked about, I would play the freaking oh, crap out that, of that card. I, I Resurrect would love Priest, that card. Resurrect Priest was my favorite deck in all of Hearthstone, and I was a hunter main. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I I built Resurrect Priest like old school, like with the um like with the Onyx Bishop or whatever uh -huh, uh -huh. card, and like the actual two mana Resurrect from mm. base set, I think, or no, it was, it was right after base set, one of those. But like 
I played the crap out of that. I think I got legend with it, or really close anyways, with my own personal build. I was so good with that deck. I put so many hours onto that list, right? And I never played Priest after that. Like, graveyard mechanics are fun. Like, do that. Soltair in Tessel, that was fun. Soltair was fun. And at the end, that Graves card, uh, that, that, that the very end of the yeah. game, I can't even remember. things in the grave. Dump stuff in the graveyard and then summon, like, Parthenax and stuff back onto the board yeah. was uh, an Alduin on the board. Like, that was a really fun. That was, like, one of my favorite moments right as Tessel was dying was that deck yeah. was, was a lot of fun. Well, uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed this segment. I hope, you know, we're not trying to be too critical of the game. Obviously, we love Legends of Runeterra. We have a year ahead of us planned of leagues and fun and adventures in this game and we're anxious and excited for what is coming next um, but I think like everybody when you play the game you look at it and say okay sometimes you take a break and you say this is the adjustments that I would make to these specific cards that I think would make this game better um, and I think that's a good thing to be able to do that oh do you have one last comment before we move on to yeah the you know what I just decided I wanted to try even though it's going to be garbage what I want I want to try used cask salesman with uh, Grand Plaza <laughs> wait what is used cask what is that card <laughs> He's the he's the three mana three two that summons two caustic casks, which are the zero one oh, ephemerals with okay. last breath deal one to each nexus. I want to build a grand plaza deck with this guys. He you get to he's out there and he's got his like experiments with the casks. It's got these kind of like lime green chartreuse <laughs> energy, you know, sort of flowing out from the middle. But I want to try it with Grand Plaza so I can uh, challenge people with casks. You can do it. <laughs> uh, that'll be fun. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, let's move on. We're going to go ahead and jump into closing thoughts for this episode. And I thought I was already perfect. Hey, guys, and closing thoughts. We hope that you will gain, or I hope at least you'll gain something uh, from this uh, this podcast more than just uh, playing Legends of Runeterra better, but better at being better at life in general. Um, and so this week's closing thought came from a book that I've been that I just started reading for a new class. Anyway, um, it came from a writer, uh, an, an older writer named from the Dark Ages um, named Bernard of Clairvox. Um, Bernard of Clairvox lived during the Dark Ages, during the Crusades. Later in his life, he actually helped rally and lead one of the Crusades, which is a less than glorious moment or part of his life. Um, so I'm not uh, saying that we should aspire to be like him in every way, but something he wrote that was really interesting was six characteristics that show that we are losing love for our neighbor or losing love for one another. And I thought in light of all that 2020 brought and then in light of all that 2021 has brought at the beginning, like literally, so in my area, I live in a pretty conservative area. And so uh, just a couple of days ago, there was a riot um, at uh, in DC and then a bunch of people jumped into a bunch of buildings. And if you haven't known that happened, I don't know how that's possible, but yeah, here's living under a rock. <laughs> here's the reality about, about seven miles North of me, a bunch of people parked their cars and jumped in a bus and went to D.C. to be part of the rally that turned into a riot, that turned violent, and someone, several people lost their lives during it. Probably none of the people from our area are people who stormed any of the buildings in D.C., but that's what happened. Well, when the buildings started being stormed in D.C., somebody else from my area went up to that mall, took out a knife, and slashed 40 people's tires. Slashed 40 people. So when they returned at 1 o'clock in the morning from the rally in D.C., they all returned to all of their tires being slashed. So this is the type of thing that doesn't display love in either sense. What happened in D.C. was awful and, and 
horrible thing and didn't display love for one's neighbor, but also what happened with 40 people's tires wasn't a good thing as well. Um, and uh, and I hope that they figure out who, who did such a thing. But the point is, is that this book really opened my mind up to the ways in which I have failed to love the people in my life. I just want to read one short quote from it. He, he highlights six things, curiosity, light-mindedness, foolish merriment, boasting, trying to be different in arrogance are all signs that we may be lacking love for one another. And I'll, I'll maybe go back into these later after I actually read some of this guy's work. But in this quote, it says, boasting is a result of spending too much time comparing ourselves to others and not enough time learning how to love them boasting is a result of spending too much time comparing ourselves to others and not enough time learning how to love them one of the probably most toxic and nasty pieces of our modern culture is the culture of comparison that's only um reinforced and uh and pushed down our throats by um the continual posting on social media by the people we know as they post curated versions of their own lives and their own families for us to see and compare our lives and our families and our situations too. Um, comparing ourselves to one another um, is lethal, not just to uh, our relationships with other people, but specifically to our relationships with ourselves. And when we begin despising and disliking who we are, um, we begin despising and disliking the people around us. Um, and whether that comes out of jealousy or a deep desire to be better than somebody else or a need to validate our own existence, whatever it may be, um, comparing ourselves to others can be really, really dangerous. And, and I'm not saying that comparing yourself to a good friend who you're working out with and you're building each other up so that you can become more fit is a bad thing. I, I'm saying the general sense of thinking worse about who you are as a person because of what somebody else has or how somebody else lives um, only ends up with us being less capable of loving the people in our lives. And if there's one thing that our world needs right now, it's people that are more capable of loving someone other than themselves. And so my closing thought is, is just that, like, be careful with comparison, man. Just be careful. We all fight that fight, that fight. That fight. Yeah. Um, but just be careful with how, how you compare yourself. You are your own person, and that's a good thing. Um, and you don't, you don't need to compare yourself to other people all the time. Yeah, definitely true. It's it's really it's really easy to get into that um idea of like I mean I, I suffer from this at times where you're like, uh man, where should I be with my career? Where should I be, you know, at the gym or in climbing or on the ladder? You know? Sure. It's just it's it's so easy to either tell yourself uh that uh, you're not good enough or you're not doing enough and get yourself down or, and maybe worse, um, to look at someone who is doing it and you start thinking about how they don't deserve it mm. or they got lucky mm -hmm. or, oh, well, it's only because of X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. uh, it's only because of these other things. And that is, that is where that love is lost. That is where you look at your neighbor and you say you, you're tearing them down in your mind before you've even talked to them about it or even gotten the chance to go over and say, hey, let me learn from you or let me ask you your opinion on these things or let me, you know, see how I can use you as an example. And, and you know, and that's kind of what this all gets down to is when you're approaching these comparisons from a perspective of a selfish desire. 
it it always ends up as either getting yourself down or wanting to go out and tear down others. Mm-hmm. And and you justify not loving somebody else um, by uh, through saying that I, I they don't really deserve that or, you know, yeah. or they have mm-hmm. that handed to them or they just got lucky or, or whatever it may be. And uh, man, that's easy to do even in a card game, especially because you have somebody who's not across the table from you. You have someone who caught the cost the digital table from you and all you have is their screen name. And man, it can be even easy to think horrible things, even if they'll never know it, like think horrible things about the other person who just beat you or just lost to you because either they made a mistake and you think they're worse than you or they beat you and you think it's just because they got lucky. Um, even in that state, it's not so much that the damage that you're not it's not so much about the damage that you're doing to that person by thinking negatively about that player that anonymous player um it's about the damage that you do to yourself and the way that you shift the way that you think because if you get in that pattern it gets easy to think about people like that in your physical life relationships not just in the person who's across the digital table from you in a card game yeah oh man okay well i tell you what this has been a great episode it was great to have lungs on the episode it's great to be back podcasting and if you are one of our patreon supporters make sure you check out that episode over on patreon right now um called the mulligan um because uh that that episode two of the mulligan is all about board games and we're really excited about that episode as well if you want to check out what we're doing go ahead and look up dead broke nerd on youtube and i did link his youtube in the description of this show you can also check me out online at twitch.tv slash the lift and i put that link in the show notes as well um and i have a big announcement in two weeks which i'm really really excited about and i cannot wait to tell the community about so that's super pumped there's some specific people who need to hear about it before the rest of this community can hear about it even if none of no people from this community really know my community here uh in western pa still have to make sure that i do things in the right order so um hey guys that's it for this episode thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate you guys and we appreciate all that you've done visit our our discord uh join it there's a link once again in the show notes or in the description of the episode uh, join our discord come and join us and hang out with us there dbn and i are there basically every single day in some capacity messaging back and forth with people and oftentimes playing dungeons and dragons in the runeterra universe <laughs> as well um, but that's going to do it for this episode guys thank you so much for tuning in with us and be sure to come back again next week Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.